here we are in night two of the fireside takes. Night here two in a row. I'm happy to Two in a row. row. Here with Gabriel Greenbaum and Benjamin Koppel. Fireside we got some takes. great momentum going on fireside takes. We do. I'd say we're on fire. I w my take would be that we're on fire. Wow. And that's a fire. And that's a fire take. That's phenomenal. Look at that start. Look at that start. Um, we got some good stuff for you guys tonight. Um, we had a great time last podcast. Episode zero was a bit of a freestyle. Hope you enjoyed that. Episode one was a little more forecasted and planned out. We spoke about the 32 NFL teams and their starting quarterback situations. Um, please give that a listen. I think we had a really good time recording. I think I had a really good time listening. Yeah. Um, tonight, we are going to tap into the NBA a little bit, get going in that realm. Um, everyone knows about the July 31st return in Orlando, Florida. We're going to talk about that and the implications of what's going on over there. And obviously, we're going to tiptoe back into the NFL because we love the NFL. We always go back there for a little bit. Always. Um, I would argue that we probably won't go an episode without talking about the NFL. I would completely agree with that. Okay. So, I guess let's start with the NBA. Our first topic is, you know, discussing who needs the championship the most, looking at, you know, the 22-team playoff format, how they're going to return to play, uh, you know, our thoughts on the overall return to play plan, and then ultimately, you know, some predictions. So. Right. You know, starting in Orlando, Florida, first of all, I think that part's awesome. Right. Um, you know, just the logistics of it, right. that they're all going to be, you know, on the Walt Disney campus. Uh, they're going to be staying in the same hotels together. Uh, you know, they said, obviously, they're going to be super strict about keeping the, I think, 1,200-person bubble so that they don't risk bringing the virus back into the, you know, teams that are left competing. But they will allow them to play golf together, to eat at outdoor restaurants. So I actually think that it'll be cool, you know, for the fans to see that perspective as well. It's almost like, you know, a sleepaway camp for all of these players and that right. they're all staying literally in the same hotel um there will definitely be some cool footage there and i think that can kind of make up for the lack of direct fan interaction because obviously there aren't going to be fans at the games which is you know a concern of a lot of players in that you think about a gym a basketball gym like you can literally hear the ball dribbling the sneakers squeaking there's going to be some weird things that play right. there right that might even affect you know the game at the end of the day right you know it's interesting because they're playing in, in disney disneyland florida right and that's what it is right yeah and when you look at what Korean baseball is doing and how they have those dolls in the stands to at least mimic a stadium-like atmosphere while playing the game, it's interesting to th I don't know what the interior of the Disneyland court looks like. I'm sure there will be photos released before. I'm sure there are photos out there right now. I personally sure. don't know what it looks like. I'm sure we can pull one up and look at it. Um, but, you know, NBA games are at least the atmosphere of the game is usually surrounded by seats and a crowd atmosphere you know what i mean like even if there are no fans in the stadium the court is usually surrounded by that mountain of seats you know absolutely what does the outline does it look like a practice court is that what the disney is that what it's gonna you know what i mean you well, understand my question right now it kind of looks like the lawrence wow. middle school gym wow that's the hp field house if which you is, guys can see this just google what did you google here this is the hp field house but there are three arenas they're gonna be playing in okay there. but just google either from what we're seeing right now it's not an nba arena no and you know what they're used to playing even Forget the no fans part. That's a given. But, like, they're playing in, the, in usually in a big stadium with a ton of open space, and they're looking at these rafters and thousands and thousands of seats. Are they going to be looking at a wall? Like, it's just going to be – it's going to feel like – are they going to be wearing their jerseys even? Are they wearing practice jerseys? What are they wearing? Yeah. Are, are they gearing up the same? I would imagine they're going to gear up the same. They're probably right? going to try to make it feel as normal as possible. Although, right. you know, it's another interesting mix there is that what's home field home court advantage going to look like? Because a big part of doing well in the regular season right. is the fact that you have that home court advantage during the playoffs – you know, you're a team like the Milwaukee Bucks and, you know, you have a strong fan base. You have to have a team coming in there for a potential Game 7. That's a tremendous advantage on your right. end. Free throws, you know, crowd atmosphere kind of just pumping the players up, whatever that might be, and that's completely lost. So, you know, that right. gives the 8th seed almost an advantage in right. that 
there's no home team in that sense. Absolutely. And it's not like it's, you know, baseball where baseball, the game itself is affected by who's home and away, right? You, you know, you, you have last licks if you're the home team in baseball. The game itself in basketball is the same for both teams. The only difference is the external things, which are completely missing now. Absolutely. Okay, so I wanted to ask you specifically a very specific question I thought about as I was doing research today. Sure. About the topic. Um, and then I want to head into the format of the play itself and what it's going to look like. So my question for you is... And if this was a visual podcast, you'd be able to see what I'm doing. I'm going to do a motion, and you're going to tell me, what is he going to do about this when there's no more fans? Wow. What happens to that? That's a phenomenal question. What does LeBron James do about his ceremonial pregame chalk toss-up into the air? Is he going to do that? He's got to do that, right? I think he's got to do it. He's got to do that. And I actually think, you know, something that we wrote down in our notes. I'm going to miss those things, all those things. 100%. You know, Deshaun Jackson said that if the NFL doesn't have fans this season, he wants all the players mic'd up. I think the NBA, especially because of what the NBA is, which is so fan-facing, which is so fan-centric, and, you know, it has such a play in pop culture these days. Everyone is such a fan of the NBA that the players need to have some kind of interaction with the fans, whether that's having, you know, cameras, you know, a little closer on the bench during the games, mic'd up, LeBron, you know, looking directly into the camera as he does his chalk toss instead of looking at the fans. They have to do something to keep that level of engagement, to keep those brands, those personalities alive, despite the lack of fans. It's, it's so true. And, you know, all those, the in-game hype-ups they have as they're calling out the home lineup. Yeah. You Nobody's know, those cheering. types of things. Just, and I know this is the same across all sports. You know, in the NFL, when they run out of the tunnel, that's not obviously that's not going to be the same. No. Assuming there's no fans in September either when they start. Right. Um, or at least at a limited capacity, enough of a limited capacity that it won't be a big deal anyway. Right. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to, to see how that plays out. So now to get into the format a little bit. Yeah. Um, so from what we understand... There's going to be 22 teams in the playoffs. So they're going to return on July 31st. They're going to play eight regular season games. They're going to be 22 teams playing, correct? Right. 13 from the West and then nine from the East. Okay, the way these 22 teams are calculated is it's the 16 teams that are, were already in the playoffs, that were in the playoff picture before the virus started, right? Right. And then the other six teams are, are the teams that are within four games of the eighth seed. Yeah. In their respective divisions. Exactly. So some of the teams off the top of my head are the Blazers, the Spurs, I believe, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, I want to say the Mavericks. The Suns are the last team from the West. The Wizards are the there. The Wizards are the ninth team in the, in the, the East. The Wizards are the ninth. So those are the ones I know off the top of my head. The Suns. Did you say the Suns? Yeah. The Suns. Are, can we just talk about that for a second? I don't want to go off too off topic, but. Th- you know what the Suns record crazy. is right now at the pause? They're 26 and 39. Wow. And they're competing for a playoff spot. And listen, it's, a, it's an uphill battle because they right now. I see are uh, six games behind the Grizzlies, who are the eighth seed. So what they're going to need to do is they're going to need to make up those six games over the eight-game remaining regular season, so right, to speak. Right. That's definitely an uphill battle. But the right. fact that they get a shot, and you know, there's a team like in the East. I'm looking at the Charlotte Hornets, who are only seven games, right, as opposed to the six games. Why don't the Hornets get the shot? Because why is six games the cutoff? Right. I think right. you know if you're going to open that window and allow teams to come in there and compete, you have to allow everybody to do that. Right. I totally agree with that, and, you know, I guess that is a good question, but when do you draw that line? The line has to be drawn somewhere. Oh, absolutely. I'm not arguing that the Knicks are getting in there, you know? Right. So I guess wherever that, I agree with your question, but wherever that number was, I think the question, you could still ask that question, even if it was eight games, nine games, ten games, you know? Yes. Um, But I do agree with you, and it's interesting how they came up. I do like it that these teams, like you said, they've been, like the Grizzlies have a uphill battle in those eight games, they want to make the, the eighth seed, but I like that they had that opportunity because that's the real NBA. And what the NBA and Adam Silver and the NBA are trying to do right now is when they return, they want to have the league come back as 
as normal as they can. Absolutely. As close as they can to what it used to be, as what it was pre-virus. And I think to do that, you need some things like give an, a team an opportunity to have to fight an uphill battle and maybe win, right. like the Grizzlies. And I'm happy that that's there. Yeah, so I agree. You know, a controversial statement that was out there is Damian Lillard said a couple of weeks ago that if they were to go back and play, he would need to have a chance to make the playoffs, right? If they would send them to Orlando to play some meaningless regular season games and they wouldn't even have a chance to make the playoffs, right. he wouldn't have played. He wouldn't have risked the virus. He wouldn't have risked injury. And I totally am on board with that. You know, now looking at it, the Blazers are actually the ninth seed in the West. They're three and a half games out of that playoff spot. They do have a good chance with eight games remaining to surpass a team like the Grizzlies to, you know, catch up to a team like the Mavericks. Mavericks are already seven games ahead of the Grizzlies. Looks like they're going to cement themselves in a playoff spot, but it's going to be competitive there. And it's definitely going to be interesting to see how those first eight games go. For sure. Another interesting wrinkle in that is that if there is a team who is within four seed, four games of the eight seed at the time of the right end of the regular season after those eight games, they're going to play a two-game series. So the two-game series is strange to me. Here's how it would work. You have an eight seed and a nine seed who are within four games of each other. You're going to play a game. If the nine seed wins, you play another game, which is winner-take-all. If the eight seed wins either of those games, they go into the playoffs. Right. If you're opening the door and letting the nine seed compete for the playoffs, why put them at such a disadvantage that they need to win double the amount of games as the team ahead of them? Make it a one-game shot. The MLB did it in you know that wild card game that they implemented, what is it now, six, seven years ago, and it's a one-game winner-take-all, move on to the next round, and it's super exciting. The ratings for those games are up incredibly, right? There was that great Brewers-Nationals game that started the Nationals, uh, the Nationals run, I believe it was. There's some good stuff that can be said about a winner-take-all game. Why put the nine seed at such a disadvantage that they can have that entire fight of the eight games coming back and then still have to win two in a row against an eight seed? You know, so I'll tell you what's hard, what I find difficult about this. There's so many valid questions that you can raise during this time because there's so many weird things going on that, you know, I don't know. Like, it would take me a little bit to formulate an opinion on what they should do. You know, if they weren't going to do that, what else should they do? I, You know, it's really tough. This is a weird situation. You're playing at Disneyland. It's Disney World or Land. It's Disney World in Florida. Oh, I said Land before. You're good. Okay. But they're playing at You're Disney. an L.A. guy. That's yeah, why. I'm an L.A. guy. I'm an L.A. guy. They're playing in Disney World, man. You know, what should they do about that problem? It's a good question. This is just something we've never seen before. Hopefully, we'll never see again. And is your point a valid one? For sure. I, you know, I am curious. I'm sure they brought that up in meetings. I'm sure, you know, someone said that. And I'm curious, you know, what the feedback was on that. Yeah. That was you know, the one thing that I must say, though, is that whatever it is, I'm super excited to have any kind of live sports back, especially yeah. the NBA. You know, I was reading when I was doing my research for the episode that they're going to be doing at, you know, certain points within that regular season eight game period up to four games in a day, right. starting games in the afternoon. That's awesome. For people who are at home all day now, I mean, productivity is certainly going to go down once, you know, 2 p.m. comes and you're going to have your first game of the day. But that is so incredible that, you know, we've been deprived of sports for so long. And when we get back into it, we're going full swing. We're going four games a day. Full swing, right. They're even going to have, I think, daytime playoff games for the first round. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. Our days are literally going to be consumed with watching they, basketball they, you know, all yeah. day. Yep. And there's... It's a win-win because obviously that's good for them, marketing-wise and sure. capturing the audience. The audience. Second of all, who doesn't want sports, right? So I wanted to delve into the teams themselves a little bit. Before yeah. I do that, I wanted to discuss some other dates that I found when doing some research. So we all know that the league is returning in Disney World on July 31st, right? So I, I was listening to Woj this morning uh, on, on the radio or something that was recorded, and 
he said he believes the lottery will take place in late August. Yeah. And the draft will take place, I believe he said in October. Right. So the last October day for the finals. October 13th yeah. could be October 12th. Right. right. And then the draft the 13th, would be... The day after. So that's pretty crazy. Unbelievable. Although they have to do it because if they're planning on starting the season, I want to say December 15th around that, maybe Christmas time the 25th. Right. Mid to late December is when they're trying to start the next season. Right. They need to have that draft almost right away so that these rookies have somewhat of a turnaround time, right? Right. But I saw at the same time, you know, 22 teams are going into this playoff-like situation. You have eight teams now who are not going to be playing from March, the beginning of March when the season was canceled, until the end of December when the season resumes. Yeah. That's a long time. That is not the, t- the typical offseason. That's double the length of a typical offseason. So... I read that they might have some exhibition games to get those guys a little bit of, you know, playing in there. But then at that point, is it worth risking these players for games that are completely right. pointless? Right. It's a tough decision to make. I think as a whole, I'm a big fan of Adam Silver. I think that he makes good decisions for the league. Right. He understands their prominence in American culture in general and their importance in the league to the fan and honestly to the morale of the nation. I know it sounds a bit dramatic, but, you know, I think that the entire coronavirus situation got even more depressing when we saw that we couldn't even have sports to kind of guide us through it because, you know, sports for a lot of people are a guide through times, you know, no matter what's going on in your personal life, things that are going on outside in school, at work, whatever it is, you got sports at the end of the day. You can go back and, and look at that as something that's a bit of an escape. But throughout this whole process, we were all experiencing that together and we didn't have sports to walk us through it like we usually did, you know? One of my strongest, you know, sports memories like that, which is not a memory that I have personally because we were only two years old, but right after 9-11, uh, you know, you had President Bush coming out and throwing the first pitch, I think, at the World Series game. Um, that's a strong moment, right? right? Sports being able to bring people together in the time of crisis. But right now, we've been missing that unifier, which is, you know, one of the big reasons why we all love sports. For sure. Listen, absolutely. I think any sports fan would agree with those words, and... um I think you're definitely right, and I think you made a good point before that these teams are going to have extended off seasons, almost double the regular off season. Yeah. What I think is going to happen, and it's going to come down to a lot of teams themselves and the teams' coaching staffs and training staffs to keep these players trained and maintained throughout the off season. It's gonna it's gonna be up to the staff more than it usually is to make sure that they are up to par with their playing abilities. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that whether that means that they start training camps, you know, even in September, October, while the rest of the league is going through the end of the playoffs, um, whatever it might be to keep these guys in shape. I mean, I can't imagine what a young team, you know, like the Knicks, obviously I'm inclined to jump to the Knicks. Guys like that who need the extra practice, who need the training camp to, you know, mesh the young personalities together to, you know, develop some kind of system to go 10 months without playing ball and then throw yourself into, you know, competition with these teams who are just competing at the highest level in the playoffs. That's a tall task for a team that's already, you know, at the bottom of the league. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into the teams that are in the 22-team playoff Disney World contention. So we're back. We're going to take a real deep dive into the 22 teams who are going to be competing for the championship in Orlando starting on July 31st. But before we go into a team-by-team analysis, let's talk about which of you know the teams that are going to be competing for the championship needs it most and why. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you start this one, Ben. So I'm going to give you the teams I see as the ones really contending for the championship, and then I'm going to go through their superstars, and I'm going to analyze which one of them needed the most and why. So here we go. In no specific order yet, I will go Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. I will talk about that more later, but I don't think I need to explain so much about why those are my three teams. Now, 
That being said, the three superstars you can identify without much argument as LeBron, Giannis, and Kawhi. Yes, you got Paul George. Yes, you got Anthony Davis. But those are the three main stars you think about when you think of those teams, correct? Understandable. Right. So, now let's try to break it down here. Out of those three stars, who needs the championship right now and why? Let's start with LeBron. You're a LeBron guy. Definitely a LeBron over MJ guy. I know that about you, correct? Sure. And you highly enjoyed the last dance. I love the last dance. Wait, AK, I want to get... AKA the final dance. I want to get it out there really quickly. Okay. Just so I don't have any, you know, haters coming at me in the comment section. Uh-huh. I think that LeBron is a better basketball player than Jordan. I think that Jordan is a better basketball, at you know, career-wise player than, Interesting. than LeBron Interesting. is. And yeah, we'll get into that conversation, yeah. obviously. You know, it, it wasn't right of me to, to throw that out about you without giving you a chance to, to explain that. So that's definitely for sure. But, and you I think, know, back to the topic at hand. Back to the topic. Okay, so um, so let's talk about LeBron for a second. LeBron, talking about him first, I don't know how many... I forgot exactly what the number is, how many championships he's, he's had, he has on his fingers. He has three. He has three. And he's played in what, six? He's played in nine. He's played in nine? Yeah. He's played in nine. Am I, am I right there? That sounds crazy, but he played in four in Miami, right? He played in three. one... In three in Cleveland. five. Total. Yeah, four in Miami, five in Cleveland. Five in Cleveland, right. One in 07 right. the, against the Spurs, and then they played four in a row when he came back. Right. Lost the Warriors three times and beat them in 2016. Wow. Yeah, he was there for eight straight wow. years, man. Wow, I thought six or seven, nine. Wow, it just shows you something about LeBron. So when you're talking about LeBron, does he need this championship? What comes first to mind for me is obviously he doesn't need the championship. Yeah. But the thing about LeBron is now that he's on the Lakers, they are expecting a championship out of him so much, especially with that team, that he kind of does need it a little more than he did two years ago in the Cavs when he was making it and, and, and winning one, you know? Wow. Um, he's on the Lakers now. They got Davis. They got Kuzma. They're surrounding him with weapons, you know? And um, he's only getting a little... It was only, I know he's a Tom Brady-type player in his res- respective sport. You know, he's, I don't know, I think, what is he, 35, 36? Yeah. Um, and he's still playing at... I think he's averaging the most assists of his career. I think the most assists in the league before the pandemic happened. Uh, yeah, I, I think he was I averaging that, close to fifty. Was it? No, I think it's eleven. Twelve? No, I was gonna say I was gonna like thirteen, fourteen. But he's, not, but not, he's not in there. He's certainly you know, leading up, the he's league. He's up there, and I think he's I think leading the league assists per game. Ten point six leading assists per game. Yep, leading assists per game. More than an entire assist. Okay, ahead of I almost said seventeen because it's seventeenth season, yes. and he's leading the right, and he's leading this league in assists. That's on. Unbe- By the way, just think about this for a second. It's LeBron's seventeenth season. And he's only 35 years old. He's yeah. been dominating for years and years. Started at 18. Unbelievable. Let me give you the floor a little bit for LeBron. Go ahead. So to talk about LeBron, first of all, in terms of what he's doing right now, you know, you mentioned the assists. And I feel like I have to mention, we've watched the evolution of LeBron to a certain extent as, you know, a guy who was more polished than a guy like Zion, more than just a dunker, of course. But, you know, a guy whose jump shot was not at the level that it has been at later in his career. Um, you know, a guy who defensively you saw only improve over the course of his career. But he's now, you know, evolved almost to being, you know, that point guard that people were talking about this past summer as a joke. Oh, he's going to start at the, at the one. No, LeBron can do it. I'm saying the man's basketball IQ is higher than anybody who we've ever seen. He can make passes that we can't even see watching it in replay in slow time. Right, this man sees things way before they happen on the court. Ten point six assists per game, kind of just you know typifies what he's trying to do right now with the Lakers as their leader. Now, in terms of LeBron and what this championship would mean to him, I think it means a lot more than you know it would have in Cleveland. I do agree with you on that point. LeBron in Cleveland was playing against these Warriors teams that were 
you know, known as some of the most stacked teams in the history of the league. Right. You got Steph, you got Clay, you got KD, you got Draymond, Draymond defensive players. Stop there. It doesn't right. matter. Like, we don't need to, like, go through the history right. of the Warriors, obviously. Right. We know who we're dealing with over here. And he wasn't expected to win. 2016 was miraculous. And for me, like, that was like, holy cow, that's definitely, like, the craziest sports achievement I've ever seen. Right. Obviously, Game 7 block, we don't need to talk about that. Right. Now that he's with the Lakers and he's still playing at this high level, and you pair him with AD, who is arguably his most talented teammate ever, and they're number one in the West, this is their season to do it. And I know, we spoke about this last night with Tom Brady. I'm not going to say LeBron's going to decline next year because the man does it all, and I think he'll have 13 assists again next year. Right. But the clock is ticking. He's not going to play till he's 50. Right. And if he wants to you know, talk, catch up to Jordan in terms of that GOAT conversation, Another ring with a third team would certainly go a long way for him. I completely agree. I'm, I'm excited to see how that pans out. Now, to dive into the second team, I will stay in the West and go with the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is a very interesting topic to talk about. I Kawhi, love Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi is one of those quiet slayers in the league. You know, he's not he's not outspoken on Twitter. You know, he's got that famous laugh meme. It's basically the only thing on social media he's, about he's Kawhi. Got, he's got no social media. He's got nothing going on there, right? Kawhi is also interesting because he's been injured a lot throughout his career. You know, I think he played nine games with the Spurs that season. Yeah. Um, he's been loan managed. We saw what happened between him and the management there. Um, Kawhi, you know, we know that he won a championship. He's won two now, one with the Spurs and one with the Raptors, correct? Finals MVP for two different teams. Right, that's, right. that's pretty crazy, man. Right, but Kawhi hasn't been playing consistently, you know, full 82-game season. Not not full 82. That, that's not even what it should be. But he hasn't been playing full seasons throughout his career. And to me, that worries me. You know, I think he's cemented himself for sure as top three two-way player in the league, for sure. And I think looking ahead, he's going to be up there for sure in the next in the near future. But he hasn't, to me, you know, cemented himself as as one of the guys I look at um, as like a perennial all-time great of our time yet because he's always injured throughout his seasons. You know, he he's had that nine-game season. He's load managed like crazy on the Clippers. Yeah, he's been injured a like little bit here crazy. and there this season. I do think he's amazing, but I think he also needs another championship to really be like Kawhi is one of the greats right now. I know he is. I, I do believe that. But I think he needs a little more to his name to get that little off his shoulders. You know, the chip off his shoulders of like, oh, he's not playing so much. And then he's got the all-stars around him to really just prove, get another finals MVP and prove himself for being the monster that he is. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the Clippers as a team really need this championship. But Kawhi, in terms of his legacy, not as much. Now, I think that Kawhi has cemented himself in my eyes as one of the better players or one of the best players that we've seen in our 20 years alive. Um, but, you know, he is not up there, obviously, in terms of the greatest players ever to do it. Right. I think if he now goes to a third team, wins a championship in a third city, beats LeBron in AD this year, goes through Giannis, you know, in the, in the finals, most likely. Right. That cements him, in my eyes, as a guy who has taken down the Heat with LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh's the big three there. Then last year, he took down that Warriors team, obviously injury-ridden in the right. finals, little asterisk there, but still, he took a team that was not expected to compete for a championship, walked them past the Sixers, who were a better team, the Bucks, who were a better team, and the Warriors, who were a better team, to win a championship. If he does that a third time, for me, it's a really big deal. Do, does he need it? I don't think so. I think in my eyes, you know, people are pretty afraid of the claw. Right. People are definitely afraid of the claw. People are definitely afraid of the claw. You know, I I, I happen to love Kawhi too, and I'm excited to see what he ha what, what he has in store for us. I, I really am. Uh, moving on to the third team, the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they are definitely to threaten the East. I, I'm a Pacer fan. That's coming out now too because of just like uh, the Colts fan, I'm a Pacer fan too. And man, I am scared of the Bucks and Giannis over there. I will give you the floor first here because I love hearing about this one so much. Go ahead. So I think the Bucks need the championship the most out of these three teams, and here's why. 
the listen let's let's talk about a championship appearance first because they haven't even gotten past that eastern conference finals hump yet this team has been a team that has been the best in the, in the east for the last two years since lebron left and that is relatively indisputable at this point i don't think a team like the raptors is as good as they are i don't think the celtics are as good as they are yet we'll talk about jason tatum later right i don't think that the sixers you know considering all their injuries problems this year and just the fact that i don't you know i think they got worse to be frank with you this season after losing jimmy butler the bucks are the team in the east so they must get to the finals first to continue that you know we have this Giannis generational talent and we need to show playoff success with it right. now winning a championship i think they're capable i think that they're honestly right neck and neck with the lakers right that this team is just as talented i mean Giannis is i can't think of words to describe him. he's otherworldly he does things on the basketball court physically that we haven't seen from anybody the man moves like he's trey young but he's the size of Shaq. it doesn't make sense to me right i mean watching him pick up the ball from like right inside the three-point line and just euro step around people that's not what a guy of his size is supposed to be doing so to me he was the MVP last year. He could very well be the MVP this year. He's got to show that playoff success, take the next step, go to the finals, and compete with LeBron. Sure. So, you know, I think it's a different question when you're analyzing whether the team as a whole needs a championship or not. But analyzing the superstars individually, you know, LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, when you're looking at Giannis, I believe he's 25 years old. You know, he's young. Yeah. So, you know, the thing that he doesn't have going for him, because he's so good, this happens, what I'm about to say, People expect so much of him already because I think what did he have last season like a like a uh, sixty one season almost the Bucks yeah something close to that or sixty one season I believe certainly in that, that range looking, in that range you know and when you have a team succeeding at that high of a level you expect the most you know um, I think LeBron also has that to his disadvantage this season people are expecting so much out of that Laker team that they didn't expect from the Cavs in the past and look where he took them and it was all the greater but. You know, those Lakers fans and those Bucks fans right now are going to get restless and restless quick. Yes, Giannis is 25, but they're in that prime right now. And, like, when you're in that prime, you want to attack, you know? And every year you don't win a championship, that's one more year you don't win a championship when you could have, you know? And that feeling is, like, as a, as a fan, you know, I, I haven't been there with my teams, really. I mean, the Colts went through a stage with Peyton every year we were, we were in contention. But, you know, a team like the Lakers, a team like the Bucks right now, or the, or the Clippers, every year a team like that, the superstar organization they built, don't win a championship, their fans get restless. Listen, you know, you bring up a great point there. The fans in Cleveland got restless to a certain extent when, you know, LeBron couldn't get them over the hump that first time, you know, to win that championship. And you know how old he was when he left the first time to go to Miami? Was he uh, 28, 30? He was 25. 25? Yup. And Giannis Antetokounmpo was 25. You know, there are these rumors already way too early about him trying to leave to go to the Buff, to the Warriors. You know, the Knicks are interested in him. People are saying that's crazy. Giannis seems like he's going to be a buck for life. If they can't get over the hump, if he has a playoff run and he does everything that he can and his supporting cast fails a little bit around him and they continue to, you know, not make the moves that he necessarily needs around him, he's going to continue to, you know, look elsewhere. These rumors might actually actualize. And yeah, maybe we'll see another decision in 2021. Right. Interesting. So, you know, to leave that, that those are the three teams I think that we both kind of agree on are the top three in the league, the top three that are looking at a championship. And, you know, there's a lot at stake for each of these three teams. Right. But, you know, there are going to be 22 of them down in Orlando competing for a title. And a lot of them have some interesting storylines. I'm looking down the standings right now, and I'm looking at a Raptors team that's 46 and 18, second place in the East. They shouldn't be there after losing Kawhi, getting significantly right. worse in the offseason. Right. And look at them. They're number two. You know, you got a team like the Philadelphia 76ers. It's 39 and 26, a bit of a disappointing season. The sixth seed in the East behind team like teams like Indiana right. and Miami. Right. And then you got Miami, 
the East is kind of interesting. Right. Then you look at the West, and obviously you got the Battle of LA, the two teams that everybody thought pretty much from day one, because of all those free agent signings, were going to be in contention for a Western Conference title. The Rockets having a disappointing year, the you know Thunder having a little bit of an exciting year, weren't supposed to be good, obviously, after dismantling the entire organization, still managing to be the fifth seed in a very, very stacked Western Conference. There's a lot of excitement that I think we're going to see that people are overlooking because of how excited they are to jump to the finals. You know, it's already mid-June. We're supposed to be either finishing up or done with the championship yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah. People want to jump to that point to see the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks compete for the title. The first few rounds of the NBA playoffs are just as exciting. There's some awesome stuff there, and I can't wait to talk about these teams. Me too. No, say that is a great point. I there's going to be some good action to watch there. So if we start jumping into these some of these 22 teams, looking at the Raptors first, you know, you said they're the second in the East behind the Bucks, correct? The Raptors, you know, them succeeding at this high of a level, when the Raptors won with Kawhi, they, did they come into these playoffs as a two seed or, they, or were they lower? They were the two seed, I believe, They last were the two year. seed behind the Bucks that yeah. year too, right? And I think the so. And the Sixers were three. Yeah, okay, and the so, Celtics were in there. Right. But, you okay, know, it was those four teams. But either way, the fact that they're they're playing at that level, like you said, is amazing. And I think it doesn't just show it doesn't just like pay homage to Pascal Siakam and how good he is. We can talk about that soon. But it, but it pays homage in it and it shows you how good that's the correct term, I don't even know. It, sure. it shows you how good Nick Nurse has been over there and what he's been building over there. And um what's his name? Masai Ujiri. Exactly. The Knicks were chasing. Yeah. They signed Leon Rose. They they uh they got him, but they were chasing him, right? Absolutely. And, for, and reasonably so. For a good reason. Um and so you see what Nick Nurse and and he's building over there. Which looks great. They got Pascal Siakam. They got Ibaka over there, who's still playing at a high level. Um, they had Marcus All, and I don't know if they. Marcus All hasn't really been playing much. Yeah, I think he's still there, right. but, but you know, he, he doesn't really play there. You know, they got Fred Van Vliet, who's really grown behind Lowry and become a good point guard. I think Fred um, Van Vliet was an All Star this year. Was he a reserve? Is that true? Yeah, he was. Re- he's really molded himself. You know, that just shows you something about the organization that they they draft well. They drafted Van Vliet, and they've built him behind Lowry into a great point guard. They still have Lowry, of course. Um, they still have, they, who's their who's their shooting guard at the moment? Um, Van Vliet's their starter. Right. Who's their two? Who's their? Oh, Norman Powell. They got Powell right, and then they got pa- Siakam. That's three, a good right. team. Right. It's a good team. And then they have, they did they have Valanciunas now? No, Valanciunas I think is in Memphis. No, I think he oh he went to Memphis. Yeah. He went to Memphis. Right. He went to Memphis from the, not from the Raptors. He went yeah, from from, from the Raptors. Right. From the Raptors. That was part of the Marcus. Man, it's been so while since I've seen basketball jerseys. I miss it, man. Yeah. I remember all these trades happening, and like now I forget who, which guy went where. It's just this is it's so nice to be talking about it to refresh ourselves on the topic, and I'm excited for this for this outlook here. I really am. Yeah, you know it's funny we were talking yesterday about brands of teams and images that you know franchises have, despite uh, you know the players moving on. We talk about the Colts and you know that image of the quarterback, the proc, the pocket right. passer, and similarly that's an, an image that I have of the San Antonio Spurs, right? It doesn't really matter who's in there. Obviously, Tim Duncan you know, guided the majority of the way. But Greg Popovich had in place a system that the guys were going to work hard, and he was going to have a team that was competing for a playoff spot every year, regardless of the talent that was around him, right? Obviously, last couple of years, they've been plagued with injuries. You know, young guys are in there, but the Spurs are going to be in there competing. But I'm not talking about the Spurs. I'm talking about the Raptors. And I see a, a parallel between those two franchises, not only because of, obviously, that league-changing trade, the DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard trade last offseason, but I think because these are two teams that regardless of the talent that they have around them, they're going to compete for, for you know, real playoff position. The Raptors were not expected to make the playoffs, period. Certainly not to be for a 46-win team through a, by the way, shortened season, so right. it's even better than it is, and the two-seed in the East. Right. I love the point you made about the Spurs. I really like that point a lot, and I think they are comparable 
to I don't know if you said it, but Bill Belichick and the, and the Patriots in the NFL very similar. Yeah, um, that's a good call. because you know there are always just guys who are put that you know you watch the Patriots year after like we said we always talk about football always ends up there. Yep, there are guys we'll there. year after year they put into their system and Brady or Belichick just makes them into these stars, you know, and and they come in as nobodies. Um, the Spurs too, like you said, Popovich takes players and makes them great, and it's an awesome thing to see. Um, speaking about the Spurs, I feel bad for DeRozan. Obviously, what happened with the Raptors winning and him getting kind of ousted out of Toronto, but he's put into a great situation with Greg Popovich and the Spurs. You got Aldridge over there. Um, you got some really young, good point guards. A few Dejounte Murray and Derek White, I believe, are the two names. Yeah, both very, very solid players. I don't know if, like, again, I don't know if that's their system making those players great, like the Patriots type system, or they're great themselves. Probably a mixture of both. Um, but it, but it really is nice to see a, a team like the Spurs, and I'm happy. They are not in the playoff picture right now, but they are one of these six teams that are four games or less behind their eighth seed, correct? So they're in contention back down in uh, Orlando. Yeah. I'm excited to see them back on the court too, the black and white. Let's go. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, speaking of great coaching, we move on to the Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens obviously noted as one of the... Do you know where Brad Stevens is from? Butler. Butler. Indiana. Butler, Indiana, baby. Uh, yeah, I'm well aware. But, well, Butler, you, Indiana. You know, I actually came across this very recently. I didn't even know. Gordon Hayward went to Butler. Yes, sir. I didn't know that. That's a cool reunion yes, over there sir. in Boston. Yes, sir. And that's a team that's kind of exciting for me. I actually personally bet on the Celtics to win the title. I think that they're a young team that can be a dark horse that coming out of the East that can be excited and rejuvenated after this break. Obviously, you know, they are not the Bucks, but I think that they can give them a run for their money. I love Jason Tatum. I think that this guy is going to be a top five player in the league within the next two or wow. three years. I think that he is that talented. I see LeBron, flashes of LeBron within him wow. from time to time. I love Jalen Brown. I love Marcus Smart. I, you know, Gordon Hayward having a bit of a bounce back year. Daniel Tice showing up randomly and, you know, right. playing good ball at center. Ennis Cantor, you know, when, when, when you need the bigger offensive rebound type guy. That's a really talented all around course. Team. And I forget about Kemba. Of course, you got Kemba. Right. right. So I said all that, and I didn't even mention right. Kemba Walker. Right. Arguably, the you know he's the most accomplished player on the right. team. Right. Right. There's a lot to like there. I think next year, without some of the injury problems, you know, a full season under their belt or whatever you want to call this season, obviously, they're a really, really exciting team to watch out of the East. That's going to be good for years to come. Absolutely. And I love your points about Tatum. I know that I've watched talks recently about how he's looking at a max extension at some point, and I'm curious to see he what he's going to get. And I'm, yeah, I, I I agree with you, and I'm curious to see what he's going to get. Um, I think that Celtics organization knows what a good player is and they know who to pay and when. I think they'll uh, make the right decision with that. Um, I, like you said, Gordon Hayward's having a bounce back year. You know, he yeah. had that bad injury. I'm, I'm happy to see my Butler guy. I'm happy to see him back on the court and playing well. Ennis Cantor, I think he's a double-double machine, great offensive center, great guy to have in your team. Put that all, Market Smart, I love Market Smart, defensive-minded point guard. He's a smart player. He's aggressive. He has energy. He's enthusiastic. I love Market Smart. I wish the Pacers would go get him in free agency one year. Yeah. Um, and then add that all, like, Tatum, Kemba, throw them all together with Brad Stevens and the Celtics organization. And you got a team, man. TD Garden, you got a squad. You got a squad. 100%. And, you know, we're talking about Butler. Let's move down south to Miami, talk about a different Butler, Jimmy Butler. That's right. That's a oh, dope nice. transition, ladies nice. and gentlemen. That's the first one of many. That's a tra- that's a fireside take transition. Woo! That is a fireside take transition right there. Wow, there I'm right now. That is awesome. And you know who I else like is that. amped? Who else is amped? The Miami fan base. Let's hear they why. They're expecting to be the fourth seed in the East right now. Right? I agree. That's Jimmy, it. Jimmy Butler has led that team to a certain extent. A guy that gets a lot of crap for not being the leader, for being a bit quiet. Obviously, the fights with Cat, whatever it might have been in Minnesota. Right. This team's playing good ball. Bam Adebayo having you know an unbelievable season at center over there. A little bit of like a. You know, I wouldn't say Jokic because he is a lot quicker and more elusive than Jokic, but he passes the ball like Jokic does from the center position, which is extremely exciting. I think there's a lot to be excited about there, and I would love to hear your thoughts about the Miami Heat, Ben. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So the Miami Heat, I love the Ben Adebayo conversation you bring up. 
I mean, he's one of those guys that come into the league and just takes it by storm randomly, and you're just like shocked. And you see that team mold there. You got Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrow. They signed Andre Godala to get some veteran presence in there. Kendrick Nunn, we saw what he did. Was he in the dunk contest? Uh, Derek Jones Jr. is in the uh, Derek Jones Jr. Okay, Kendrick Nunn, we see it. he is a... Is he, was, is he a rookie this season? Kendrick Nunn's a rookie. He's undra- undrafted. Undrafted, and he's yeah. one of the... He, I saw him plead his case for rookie of the year with Ja and guys like that. It's actually very funny. Um, but yeah, you, you know that that team, like you said, you still got Dragic up there. Um, you got Udonis Haslam, the vet. You know, Miles, Miles Leonard there, Kelly Olenek. You got a real team there. And like you said, Jimmy Butler leading that team and the Heat have a... Have a have a past of, win- of winning, a winning atmosphere. Eric Spolcher there. And I really think they can have a good, good, good end of the season down in Florida. Yeah, I agree. You know, listen, I think the team's exciting, unexpected. To see that they're going to compete for a championship, I don't think so. I don't think it's their year. But they'll definitely give a couple of teams some interesting playoff runs, and we'll see what happens. So we're going to move on to the next one, you know, a team that's obviously near and dear to Ben's heart. So I'm not going to take any of the introduction here. I'm going to throw the Indiana Pacers right on to you. Let's do this. The Pacers. Nate McMillan and the Pacers. I'll tell you my concern. My concern is that something that I'm spiteful against the NBA for. We just can't. We're a small market team over there in Bankers Life Field in Indianapolis. We can't keep up with teams like the Clippers, Lakers, and big market teams like that signing. the. Those are the only teams getting these large superstars. The best we can do is like guys like Oladipo and Brogdon and like turn them into the biggest stars we can and I think we're doing a great job at that but it's almost unfair and like and I feel like we're and this problem is only getting worse with these guys going to teams together that are big market teams and we're never going to attract all-stars we're just never going to and I I feel like we're never going to take that next step because because we can't we can never attract players of that caliber and and you know what it makes me upset and I want to talk about the Pacers right now but it almost feels pointless to me because I know that we're never going to get to that top three seed area Maybe in the East, maybe in the West would be forget it, you know, because we're never going to be like the Nets where we get KD and Kyrie or guys like that. It's just not happening in Indianapolis. Wow. And I'm upset about it. I am. That's, uh, that's, that's a really morbid introduction to you, know, your, your first time speaking about your boys I know. on the on the podcast. And I never really thought about that, you know, being a fan of exclusively it's New sad, York because I, I feel it. Yeah. I feel it because I watch what goes on around me and I'm like, and I know, you know what, can I tell you why I feel this way? Please. It, going into this free agency offseason when we signed Brogdon, there were a number of... Brogdon was a big signing, by big the way. Big signing. I happen to love Brogdon. Yeah. I call him Broggy. I, got him, I have him on my fantasy team. I, oh, I call that. him Broggy. I love Brogdon. Don't get me wrong. But imagine putting guys alongside him also. 100%. You know? I'm saying, would the Clippers be happy if they signed Brogdon in the offseason and then that was it? No. It would be not. a huge failure, right? Yeah. But why is Indianapolis so okay with that? Because we're just that type of team that can't get those guys, right? That's messed up. I yeah. hate that. I hate that. We're a good organization, you know? And you don't Damn. see that a lot in football. You, you see guys like Stefan Diggs going to Buffalo, or, you know, things like that. Football, I think it's totally different. And I again, I don't want to get into football right now, but like, like, you see what's happening in the NBA with guys just like getting together and playing for these big market teams and like how we're ever going to compete unless we get lucky in the draft. Listen, that's a topic that we have to like really spend some more time talking about. Just, yeah, you know, that's how I feel about it. Big that. markets versus small markets, you know, the ideas of teaming up. There's so much to say there, and I never thought about it from the perspective so of the So right before thing. I throw the Pacers back to you, I'll give a quick non-biased analysis on the Pacers themselves just because that's part of what's going on here. Sure. So I love Sabonis on the Pacers. He was an all-star this year. I think he's a great piece of their team. Um, I'd call him at this point, I think, their best player. Of course, they have Oladipo. Wow. Hopefully, he comes back from that injury fully healthy. Then I think he'll take the reins back as the best player. But for now, I'd say it's a bonus. Um, of course, you got Brogdon. You got Turner, who had, who needs to make leaps of improvement, but he's looking like a good center of the future. Super injury prone, though. Yes, Miles true, Turner. true, Such true. Yeah. Hopefully, he puts some weight on him, and he, if he can get over that hurdle. And you know, I see the Pacers for the next decade or so as. 
those guys who swing around in the four, five, six seed range and always make it to the first, second round, but can never go get past those superstar teams. Yeah, you know, that's a great way of saying it. A team that's going to be four, five, six seed. Yeah. That's kind of the way that I've thought about the Pacers as an organization for quite a while. Obviously, we had you know that great battle, the seven game series where you guys topped us in what was it, twenty eleven? Um, us being the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Paul George team it was Jermaine O'Neal there. Yep. Um, you know, Roy Hibbert, whatever. We don't need to get into the details of that. But the point is, I feel like they're always a team that's stuck in the middle of the East, let alone the middle, you know, the middle of the NBA is at large. Obviously, the West being better than the East. They've got some good pieces there. It's just a shame that this league is so star you know, driven that none of these guys are going to pull a Kawhi Leonard and take a team like the Raptors to win a championship. Like, that's just not going to happen. And. I don't know, man. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. But, you know, looking at what they're going to be going through from a playoff perspective, playing a team like the Heat, you know, if things stay pretty much as is, which, it w- oh, it will actually, I think fourth, uh, whatever. Let's say they play the Heat first round of the playoffs. Like they match up somewhat decently against them and they have a chance. Right. right. Whatever. For sure. Yeah. And you know what? I shouldn't be complaining so much because I'm sitting You're talking here. talking to a Knicks, man. Exactly. I'm sitting here in New York. I'm sitting in New York and I'm, and I'm talking about how I'm going to get to watch my team compete in the playoffs. Dude, I'm about to watch my team compete in the playoffs no matter what. They're getting on that court and competing. We're the, I'm sorry to go into the Knicks for just a second. Yeah. We're the Knicks. We're New York, biggest market. We're playing in the Mecca of basketball, the Garden, all of the things that people say about the Knicks. And we would have loved to have gotten Malcolm Brockton this offseason. For sure. That would have right. been tremendous for us. Sure. The LA Clippers, who are the second team in LA, right. would be like, no, Brockton's not, not doing it for us. The Knicks, who are like, the, it's, it's the Knicks, right. baby. Right. They should be that team in the NBA. I mean, whatever. Or at least one of those three teams. We can talk about how freaking hard we'll get there. this, this offseason We'll, we'll probably have a Knicks episode at some point, considering we're here in New York. We'll have 100%. some friends on it, and yeah. Goddamn Knicks. So, Absolutely. whatever. Anyway, moving on to the Sixers. Okay. The Sixers are an interesting one. This is a team that, you know, went to the conference semis last year. Obviously, they lost in seven on that crazy Kawhi shot from the corner. Um, but, you know, super talented. Trust the process. Seems like they've been making some good progress over the last number of years to really be a competitive team, a top two, three team in the East. This season, a couple of injuries. You know, Simmons and Embiid went through their own injury uh, situations throughout the course of the season. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, I think that, you know, losing Jimmy Butler was, was pretty bad for them. And, you know, the Al Horford signing doesn't seem like it's been panning out. Uh, and, yeah, listen, at the sixth seed, I think they could be a little bit underrated or undervalued considering that they are more talented than teams like the Pacers and the Heat and even arguably the Raptors, who are ahead of them. But at the end of the day, Sixers aren't going to you know, really compete with the Bucks or even the Celtics in my eyes to you know, make some noise in the East. What do you think about the Sixers? You know, I'll tell you what's sad in my eyes. Again, I'm, I don't mean to go back to it, but, but going back to the point I said about considering the Pacers or going to the Pacers, that they'll never go over that, get over that ridge because they'll never get those All-Stars. Yeah. Think about what the 76ers won't be able to do with these guys. You ready? Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Al Horford. You think about that that core and Josh Josh Richardson, who they who they signed right. The, he came from the Heat. Think about that core there. That is an unbelievable core of players. Tobias Harris and a perennial All Star and an amazing scorer, one of the best scorers. In the I league. think this team healthy is competitive in the East. Yeah, for sure. Like I, in the East, right? I, I'm saying I don't think that they're the Pacers that they're not going to get over the hump. The Pacers, even if they are healthy, even if Oladipo plays this entire season, I don't think that they're competing with the Bucks. The Sixers healthy from day one. I think they're competing right now for the top team. Right. You know, you know but they've, there's been something wrong there. There's been something dysfunctional. You know, we know they've had locker room problems. Yeah. In, you know, in, you know, in, in they, have some get person, over the they got some personalities there. Embiid's you know, uh, a tremendous Simmons and Embiid are very, are, are both active on social media, media and personalities. 
you know, Ben Simmons, they both have injury history also. Ben Simmons is, is not on the court a lot. Yeah. Um, when he is and healthy, he's an amazing specimen type point guard. Who? What is he? I think he's six seven or something and crazy like that. He's, he's like a six, he's, he's like 10. a he's six ten. Yeah, he's like a Magic, Magic Johnson, Johnson type. Uh-huh. Exactly, Magic Johnson type guy. Yeah. Um, and beat of course, arguably the best center in the league. He's Shaq's favorite player. I'm pretty sure because oh, I Shaq's think Shaq's favorite player is Giannis. Is that true? I don't know. I think it's Embiid. Either way. Whatever. Shaq loves these guys. Yeah, these dominant players, right? I praise from Shaq. Tobias Harris is an, is an amazing scorer. I had him my fantasy team, too. He's, oh, you know, that's the type of guy who puts up over 20 points a game in yeah. the league or over 17 points a game in the points per game in the league for, you know, almost a decade. Um, Al Horford, one of the best centers of, we've seen in our times, right? Since we started watching basketball. You know, Horford's a guy up there when you talk about the good centers. Um, Matisse Thibel. I want to talk about him for a second. I happen to really like him. Just, okay. Just for a hot second. I think he's like one of those like one of those like special defensive players and like I know that's all he can do really for now in the NBA, but he's a really good defender and he's and he's on TikTok and he's really funny. Well, I like that he's on TikTok. That's yeah, cool. yeah, and he's a good TikTok. I've enjoyed seeing some athletes TikToks. By yeah, the way, a lot of times. Everyone I just said, I've seen. I think I've seen Embiid. If you just go on this team themselves, I, yeah, for sure I've seen Thibault. I follow him. Um, I've seen LeBron's kids. Bronny, yeah. what's his name? Bronny? Yeah, Bronny. Bronny's I see him on TikTok. I Shaq him on and Shaq's kids. Media. I see Shaq and his kids. Wade has red hair now. Oh, I saw that also. Wade dyed his hair red. Listen, there's so much to talk about. We should do something about like, yeah, yeah, just catching yeah. up the players off the court. Yes. Wade, I see him on TikTok with his wife. I mean, he has a beautiful family. Yeah. But he has that red hair. What is he doing? What is he doing? D Wade. I think he kind of rocks it. I think he's got the swagger for it. Yeah, he does. Wade County. D Wade. I went to his last game. I say that a lot. I love flaunting that. That game in Brooklyn? Yep, I was there. You were there? And I had good seats too. Yeah, shout out to my brother Aaron. He got got the tickets for my friend and he took me. Wow. I was there. I think I was eight rows up in the court. D Wade's last game against the Nets. It was awesome. It was really cool to be there. It was really cool. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it was really cool. So it's funny that we mentioned the Brooklyn Nets because they're the next team on this list over here. That's another transition, baby. There we go. There we go. The Brooklyn Nets, Gabriel Greenbaum, I want you to tell me about the Brooklyn Nets. So, here's the thing with the Nets. You said yesterday a couple of times that you don't judge a quarterback until he has Ooh. you know, a functional offense around him or if he doesn't have a good offensive line around him. Yeah, sure. yeah, um, I'm not judging this team, the Brooklyn Nets, until they have arguably the best player in the world in Kevin Durant back on the team. Now, right. that being said, we're talking about what's going on this season, going into this playoff run. And, you know, there's definitely something to be said about a lot of the young guys there to there. You know, Levert, you got um, what Jared Allen, right. uh, Dinwiddie. Like, there's right. a lot of talent on that squad. But, right. you know, this team with Kevin Durant is a whole other animal. Kevin Durant, of course, is he going to come back from the Achilles injury properly? What's going on there? What does the timeline look like? I know a lot of people, myself included, thought there would be a chance he'd come back for this playoffs. You just said earlier this week he will not be playing back, you know, playing right. all in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal because, listen— End of the playoffs are, you know, August, September, September, October even. I'm saying you don't think that you're right. And he declared it now. And he declared it now. I don't know know how the rules work, by the way. I mean, I think they can come back. Right? Boogie came back in the finals. Yeah. If he if he was feeling Forget better in game seven of the finals, he he's he's cool. He just shows up, right? So yeah, I was listening to the radio the other night, ninety eight seven. Um, I love that station. And I was just cruising cruising down Branch Boulevard over here in Valley Stream. And I was and I was listening to how they were talking about how Durant declared that he's not playing already and they were kind of ripping on him um and they were and they were differentiating him uh, that's not the right word but they were making a difference between him and Kyrie because Kyrie actually came out with a statement saying he wants to be with the players on the bench when they play over there in Florida and 
the issue is I don't know if not I think non-active players are not able to be there and they're considering I think taking a staff member away maybe and having Kyrie be on the bench to be with his guys you know and build that rapport Durant on the other hand what I'm saying about that difference they're building between them is Durant on the other hand is doing the opposite of what Kyrie's doing he's saying I'm not even going to be there forget being there like I'm not playing like it's not even a chance I play and he's talking about six months away from now right we're talking about October four months away from now right you know he has the time to recover. Why does he want to get out there and try to compete for a championship? I agree that I agree that he should wait till he's fully healthy. But I see that he's getting some heat for that. KD is a snake. I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna be straight up about it. That man has all of those, you know, Twitter accounts where he's like bashing on people, defending his name against like little kids online. He's been a personality issue for quite a while. Super successful businessman. He does some good charity work. Not trying to say he's a terrible person, but I don't think he's a great teammate. And I think this is a bad decision that he's making. Listen, I can't I can't imagine they're not going to find a way to get Kevin Durant down there with the team, you know, just to be around. Right. There's no way that he doesn't end up there for the playoffs. Right. But at the same time, the fact that he's not urgent to jump back kind of says something, especially because I remember there being conversations about him, you know, wanting to play in the Olympics had that been scheduled. Right. This would be the same exact time. And he was talking about playing for the Olympics, but he's not going to play now. Was there a setback? If there was a setback, say there was a setback. But now he's kind of leaving it open to the possibility that he's such a jerk that he's not going to come back to his team because he wants to be fully healthy. He doesn't believe in them this year. doesn't think it's worth it, whatever it might be. Right. For sure. No, I agree with you, man. And and they were making that. And, you know, it's funny. Kyrie in the past, we know, has gotten a lot of heat for being that personality who doesn't mesh with their team. And he's like that locker room problem. He's really, I think he's taking a step as a leader right now. I really I really think he is. And, I, and they analyze that. And I agree with them. Yeah. Like you said, I like how you pointed out. And I just wanted to... to put KD and Curry to the side for a second just to talk about what the Nets have besides them they got Levert Dinwiddie Allen DeAndre Jordan Joe Harris they have Prince Wilson Chandler they have a squad you know yeah and you add a healthy KD Curry that is a scary team I see them jumping the Bucks. I do if the Bucks don't take another step forward I see them jumping the Bucks next season wow KD and Curry healthy 100%. How can they not? Unless yeah, unless the Bucks had a piece. Listen, I'm salty to hear about that potential because, you know, of what happened in the offseason with the Knicks. But anyway, <laughs> let's leave it at that for now. Let's for now, move on to our – no, there's so much to say there. Let's move on to our, our host team, the Orlando Magic. Ooh, okay. So, you know, a lot of young talent there, but I'd love to hear your perspective on them. Kick us off. Tell us what you think the hosts are going to do. Are they even going to make it, by the way? Because so, there's know, potential that gotta, the gotta, Wizards can jump them. Right. You know, I got to give the, mag- the Magic some credit. I remember last season, they were also fighting for that eight spot. They made, Who'd they lose to? Didn't they play in the first round last last season in the playoffs? They lost in the first round of the playoffs. Didn't they win, make that eight seed? Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I yeah. So last season, they lost they, and they lost to the... Um, I feel like they beat the Raptors in a game last year. Yeah, the they, oh, they, right, they lost the Raptors in, the, in that series. Yeah, but I'm just saying that the, like the, the Magic's also one of those teams that one of those like small market teams that don't attract a lot of free agents. But they have guys like Aaron Gordon, who's been their best player for you know the past few years. A guy like Markel Fultz, who in many people's eyes that first overall pick has been a failure. Yeah. up till now, he's been looking good over there in Orlando. They got um, they got Mo Bamba. They got Mo Bamba over there. He's always a fun guy to watch. Jonathan Isaac, who's been playing very well. <laughs> That's awesome. They got they got new uh, Nikola Vucevic, who's always he's been good for a very very long time. Nikola Vucevic has been all star. Terrence Ross, I'm a fan of who who just mentioned the Raptors. who came from the Raptors. They got they got a good team. They got, and you know the few guys I'm not mentioning. DJ Augustine is, is a sneaky guy. Al Farouk Aminu is a great signing they got from the Blazers. He's a very talented two way player. Al Farouk Aminu, I'm a big fan of him from the Blazers. And I actually like the Magic a lot, and I really hope 
they stay in their playoff position because I think they're a sneaky team. Yeah, sneaky is definitely a good word to describe them. Listen, I think that they're a team that's very similar to, you know, a Wizards, a Hornets type team. There's young talent there. They're going to be bouncing around that 7-9 to nine area. Are they going to make the playoffs every year? Right. Maybe. I think that there are teams that are better positioned. We just listed six of them that don't look like they're going to go away in the near future. Aaron Gordon doesn't seem like he's panning out to be the you know talent on either side of the ball that people were thinking he could be. People comparing him initially to guys like Blake Griffin. I don't see it. Vucevic is good. I don't think he could be a number one on a team in such a talented league. And he is really the leader on both sides of the ball right now, which is not a great sign in my eyes. You know, the Al Aminu signing was nice. He's a bench guy at this point. He's getting a little old. I don't know how big of a, you know, what big of a difference that's going to make. Right. Marco Fultz, that experiment, I think, you know, give him a little credit for that. They turned around a guy who people thought was a complete bust was going to go straight to the G League. And, you know, he's been playing some good ball for them. But overall, I'm not too excited about them. I'm kind of bored with the Magic. But, whatever. Can't say I argue with that. They are the Magic. Yeah. They are the Magic. They haven't been high. Nothing's been really exciting down there since uh, Dwight Howard left and whatever no. that was. No. You know. But you so, know who does magic? Oh, this is going to be a great one. Oh, this is going to be a... Wow. Wizards do magic. Wow. You're wow. a wizard, Harry. Wow. Shout out to Harry. Nice. Yeah, I don't know what, even know what that was, but that was I have awesome. no idea what that was. The Wizards. So let me, let me, let me... Wow, that was a great intro. Let me talk about the Wizards for a second. When you mention the Wizards, the first thing that comes to your mind is, of course, John Wall and Bradley Beal. Right. John Wall tore his Achilles in the shower, I think. Something like that. Something like that. That right? man's just always getting and this, injured. And, and I just read a report that says, don't expect to see John Wall on the court once the NBA season resumes. Wow. That's crazy. You know, John Wall, I haven't seen John Wall actually play a full season in a long time. But when he does, him and Beal are a scary combo. They're also one of those teams that unfortunately will never make it that far because they'll never get that real all-star core listen bradley beal i think made the made his case over the last couple of years was he an all-star this year he was a bust he, he was a, he, not a bust he I, was a, uh, a snub yes yeah, this, this past year yes he was um yes, he was. but last year he was an all-star crazy scoring numbers this year. crazy scoring numbers crazy. this year multiple three-point games in, i think in the 20s points per game for sure right yeah in the mid-20s for sure 23 24 probably was yeah let me look, look it up let me look it up. I, I gotta look that up because i love i want to give bradley beal the credit he deserves um, I think he's an awesome scorer, and he's doing it without John Wall. Um, that's never easy. You know, at this point, he's basically doing it alone. Yeah. Um, John Wall is bouncing. Not, I'm not saying he hasn't had his fair share of injury issues, too. 2019-2020, I want you to guess how many points per game. Oh, this is unbelievable. 30.5. Yeah. Third, I know this day and age. No, I'm sure 30, 30 is still 30. I think. Still 30, right. But there are guys who, like, I would argue we get this later, but like Harden, who's just chucking up left and right. Harden's a totally different you know, conversation. You know what? I got to assume things are going to be different when everybody comes back. And things yeah. Be a little, you know? I'm very curious and excited to see how things pan out. That concludes our analysis of the Eastern Conference teams invited to play in Orlando. Make sure to tune in next episode when we do the same for the Western Conference. Thank you all who listened, and good night.